I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBS iViews podcast. With me is Tony Craddock, Director General of the Payments Association. Uh, we're talking specifically about sustainability superheroes, a how-to guide to ESG for fintechs. Fintech companies apparently are increasingly focusing on ethical and sustainable growth, but what does this mean in practice? Tony, the reports from the Payments Association, what does it mean in practice? What it actually means in practice is doing things in practice. So often, organisations take on strategic objectives around things that sound like they're good and necessary to do, important such as, in this case, sustainability, because everybody now takes it as a given that we have to work harder at creating a sustainable world. But an awful lot of the time, these things end up on PowerPoint decks or in board reports, and they don't actually happen. And so what we've tried to do is is try to identify specific examples of people who are out there doing stuff that helps to make their organizations more sustainable and to grow in a more ethical and sustainable way. It's been exciting to see what uh, what's come up. We've also managed to identify uh, a, a number of steps that an organisation seeking to go on the journey to becoming uh, more sustainably uh, and ethically uh, growing that, that they can actually put into practice. Let me put it to you this way. I understand shareholder returns. I understand what that means if I invest in a company and I get a dividend back. What is stakeholder capitalism? apart from something that appears on a PowerPoint? So I I think in the way in which relationship management was recognised initially as something about customers, in time people realised there were a whole range of other stakeholders with whom relationship building was important. In the same way, stakeholder capitalism reflects the fact that there are other organisations that are important stakeholders rather than just the shareholders. And again, this sounds like motherhood and apple pie for most of the expert listeners out there. But the point is that you've got to think, of course, about your shareholders. You've got to think about your customers, your staff. Staff are critically important, your partners, your suppliers. And then in the fintech industry, really critically, the regulators and official institutions upon whom our current and future success depends. And particularly this last category, unless they think that what we're doing is aligned with their high-level macro goals, then there's a pretty good chance that they will cease to be supportive of our organization by creating, managing, and monitoring a a set of regulations and legislation that is empowering and enabling of our commercial success. So in a way, my summary is it's a more holistic approach, and it's it's really understanding that these other stakeholders, other than just investors and customers, are very important. Well, this sounds very grand, and yes, I I get the position vis-a-vis the regulator or the regulators. But for fintechs, fintechs by the nature of the beast, most of them are startups. Most of them are newcomers to the world of business, the world of industry, and they're going to have very small teams. How do you put ESG front and centre of somebody like that when what they're focusing on is getting the business off the ground, getting the product out? You know, ironically, Robin, I've discovered that the most visionary and values-led people in this industry are representing the smaller companies. 
it's quite unusual to find a big company that's able to really become led by something other than shareholder value. And so I don't completely agree with you. I mean, let, let me give you a, uh, an example of you know, one organization that I think has done a, done a great job, that they've taken a company that's been around for a long time, they've deployed some sustainability strategies, and they've done something that really makes their staff very much more loyal. Charlie Bronx is the head of ESG at the wholesale foreign exchange and cross-border payments organization called Crown Agents Bank. Crown Agents Bank have been around for a couple of hundred years, providing B2B services uh, in the back end of international payments. Really brilliant business. One of the things they've done is they've looked at a particular problem around how to onboard customers to their clients' banking services in regions which are not well served, such as Africa. They've done some work to implement biometric solutions to help overcome some issues that are specific to a particular region, such as, for example, rural Rwanda. And whatever anybody thinks about the issues of uh, immigration or emigration, in Rwanda, there's a lot of people who, you know, in a region where there are no postcodes and home addresses are not formally recognised. So what they've done, they've innovated in a way that helps local people open bank accounts without needing a postcode or an address. And that didn't happen in the past. And as a result, their client services are reaching more people and they're providing a higher level of satisfaction, which in itself is helping to be, include people in the financial system. That is a much more sustainable model than just trying to um, go out and flog stuff. So it's a lovely example of through that special commitment to sustainability, Crown Asians have actually received a, a gold award for sustainability with a company called EcoVardis. So it's really, really cool. Have you got any other examples that you can highlight from the report that show us the direction of travel? Yeah, so I, I think there's probably three areas that people are looking at. Number one, they're looking at things that they can themselves as organisations do that are more ethically and sustainably aligned. And they might be to do with your staff employment practices. They may be how you motivate and reward and promote staff. It might be around the way in which you spend money on travel or not for your executives. Those sort of things all have an impact on some of these sustainability dimensions. The second thing they're doing, they're actually out there demanding improved quality and improve sustainability from their suppliers and their partners. So they're actually having these conversations at at executive levels and saying, tell us about your ESG strategy and and what are the things you're doing to preserve and promote uh, sustainability. The final thing is some of these organizations are doing things that are really helping their customers be more sustainable. I'm going to give you an example here, one that's really neat. Ollie Cook, who's the founder and uh, CEO of a company called Echo, that's E-K-K-O, They have focused on giving their customers information that allows them to make better choices about how they spend money. Mm -hmm. They they promote transparency and they provide their users with a safe and positive space, they say, safe and positive space to understand the environmental impacts of their everyday financial choices. And that's really, really cool because that's empowering consumers to to live and deploy in a, uh, a more or live in a more sustainable way. You know, so that, as a, you know, have some clever little techniques like that's something called uh, my carbon meter, which is a feature that, that allows people to have an insight into their carbon impact on their purchases. Now that sort of stuff that's cool. That's giving power to the consumer. And and so that remember those three things: their own organization, 
their suppliers, and in this case, their customers. So when we describe this paper, Sustainability Superheroes, with the subtitle, A How-To Guide for ESG for FinTechs, you are actually providing a how-to guide. Yes, well, that is true. I mean, I actually say in my introduction to the paper that really the best thing to do is to roll your sleeves up and get on with it. But equally, it's much better, as we all know in business, to have a plan to vary from. And you can use this plan as a means of tailoring some of the principles to your own organisation, enrolling your staff and actually obtaining some resources from your senior management team to implement it. The, the seven steps of, of, to sustainable fintech is, is in, this, uh, in this guide. And the first one is really important. And you mentioned it at the beginning when you talked about stakeholder capitalism. The seven steps, the first step is identify your stakeholders, you know, understand who in your ecosystem is important to you. Uh, and once you've done that, is, is the next thing, of course, is to work out the different means of engaging with them. Are you going to engage through your product strategy, through your marketing, through your sales activity, or through an, in some other format? And it's worth understanding the 25 fintech and sustainability focuses that are actually listed in the report as well, and the organizations that are delivering good work in that respect. The next thing to do is to prioritize the ones you want to work on and then have a plan. And number four is to have a plan to, to focus on areas where there's a good strategic fit with you and your, your, your stakeholders. And, and you'll see in there, there's some really great nuggets of information about MasterCard and their sustainability network. MasterCard is the benefactor behind our project inclusion work at the Trade Association, of which I'm the Director General. They do some great work with our uh, stakeholder engagement with stakeholder working groups. And there's some lovely nuggets of stuff that they do in there to win hearts and minds. And really, not only to say that there's a long-term plan, but some specific quick wins that show that they're actually delivering on people's commitment to these longer-term goals that sometimes seem way too far out there to be relevant to our day-to-day -day work. Tony Craddock, Director General of the Payments Association, thank you very much.